Welcome to the very latest episode in our Million Dollar Traders podcast with me, James Halliwell, and Lex Van Dam bringing you a special guest each week. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only. As a marketing communication, it should not be taken as investment advice, personal recommendation, or an offer of or solicitation to buy or sell any financial instruments. This material is being prepared without taking into account any particular recipient's investment objectives or financial situation. We make no representation and assume no liability as to the accuracy or completeness of the content of this communication, which is being prepared using publicly available information. Your capital is at risk. The value of investments can go down as well as up, and investors may get back less than invested. Past performance is not indicative of future results. So welcome everybody to the first episode in the brand new Million Dollar Traders podcast. Very pleased today to be joined with our exclusive guest, Jay Smith, also known as Jay Nemesis of eToro fame. Welcome Jay, how are you doing? I'm I'm good. Thanks for having me. It was nice to nice to meet you guys today. Likewise, I'm really pleased that you've uh, you found the time and your busy schedule to get here. I know there's a lot going on at the moment, particularly in crypto as well as the markets in in equities. Lots going on, and uh, of course, I'm joined with the man himself, Lex. How are you doing? I'm I'm good, but I think I think the the man himself is Jay. So I'm I'm super excited to to actually find out uh, Jay um, your story what you've been doing, how you're trading, how you look at markets. You have a phenomenal track record and, and I hope to learn uh, some interesting stuff from you today. So yeah, very excited to be here as well. And, and James, as always, thank you for, uh, for organizing. No problem. So Jay, I reached out to you, didn't I, um, a couple of weeks ago now and we had a, a quick introductory chat before, but you know, I've, I've known about you on, uh, on eToro and, and generally in the, um, the investing world as a, so-called influencer for some time now, um, and I thought it'd be a great idea, as Lex has said, to um, to get together on, on this channel and give people the opportunity to understand a bit more about uh, about your journey and also your trading. Um, and I'm as interested as anybody else to know that as well. So, why don't we kick things off? Where do we start? Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I, I guess uh, I guess I'll introduce myself. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been I joined Toro in 2014. Been trading there for uh, you know ever, ever since then. In, in 2016, late 2016, I became a popular investor. Um, quit my job in 2017 in the esports industry uh, to to do that full time to start trading full time, and uh, the rest is history, I guess, as they say. I'm now managing around 150 million dollars of AUM uh, on Toro, uh, 30,000 plus copiers. Um, it's it's pretty pretty amazing, really. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 pretty happy. The markets have been amazing. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty interested to to pick both of your guys' brains actually, and, and just kind of talk talk stocks, talk markets, just generally the trends, you know, whatever's going on. So right, yeah. I mean, I'd be interested to understand a little bit more about sort of like your gaming years and and how that was, and and I think you were doing that full time, right? And you know, I'd be interested in, in that period. What what actually drove you to become a gamer? And then from gaming into into finance, and then obviously being very successful in that as well. So, can we talk a bit about your uh, gaming years? 
Yeah, so um, I I started gaming obviously, you know, when I was young, when I was a kid, um, Sega Saturn, Sega Mega Drive, and and you know, kind of worked my th- way through until I got a PC when I was about thirteen. Um, I always kind of had an investing mindset, so actually, even my my gaming PC, I saved up um, all of my money for like a year with like a paper round and like little bits of pocket money. Had nothing for Christmas, nothing for my birthday, all just money to buy myself a PC because I knew that I wanted to play games. Um, and then yeah, I, I was uh, I was there for pretty much the the birth of esports. Um, I was involved in a lot of the earliest UK esports organizations, Team Four Kings and Dignitas, and um, Team Infused. Uh, I played several different games competitively. Um, flew around Europe competing at events uh, to the USA. Um, it was it was a really really strange kind of booming industry um that i that i sort of fell into really just from playing games and and being good at games um and uh yeah from there into into investing i mean there's actually a pretty big overlap especially in the competitive end of esports um of, of people that move into investing i think because especially in some of the more strategic games you just have the right mindset you're trying to you're thinking about the psychology of of you know the other play the other players um that are, that are fighting against you and you know uh, this kind of ongoing kind of game of rock paper scissors in the game and trying to you know potentially go two steps further or three steps further than the opponent it's like chess but at warp speed is uh, how how some people describe uh um, some of the, the strategy games I used to play. So, yeah, I think um, I actually learned quite a lot from that. And it's, it's helped me in, in my investing um, coming from that background. So uh, does, yeah. it make you little, does it make you a little more short-term in your trading than the, the uh, average investor? So, so how, how do you, you know, like, like e- esports, you, you need to pull the trigger all the time. And in, in investing, you know, you, you know, you don't want to, you know, overtrade, mm. um, but on the strategic side, you know, you learn strategic thinking, like you say, which is good. So, so, so where are you on the trading spectrum from yeah, your so background? I think really I'm, I'm kind of a, a medium to long-term trader generally. And I think it all depends on, on which kind of games from esports you come from. So because I used to play strategy games, there is no time limit. You can take as long as you want to win a match. Um, and so you kind of learn to, you, you learn the skills of being an opportunist, right? You see a weakness, you see an opportunity in, in the game or in the markets and, and you're able to take it. That could be a day trade. That could be, you know, a position, position itself for a week or something. Um, or, but, but ultimately, you, you know what the long-term game is, right? And, and you know that, you can't rely on those opportunities. You have to go out there and find, you know, find find your long-term bets, find find the things that you think are the future. And then you just need to be adjustable and adaptable to whatever's going on. Um, so that's that's pretty much the approach that I take with trading. You know, I, I think long-term and I, I try and invest in those things. But if I see a short-term opportunity in, in a stock that I know like the back of my hand, because I, I think about it long-term, then it means that I'm able to potentially take advantage of that. So um, yeah, that's that's the way I approach it. Okay, so, so so how well do you know the stocks that you trade? Do you do you trade a lot of sort of like esports stocks or like you know what what what, what what's, what's your focus within your trade? Yeah, so there's not that many esports stocks, unfortunately, um, not yet at least. Um, but yeah, no, generally tech stuff. Um, I've been super interested in like solar technology and renewables. Super interested in um, in obviously everything related to PC gaming uh, stuff like that. A lot of the tech companies, social media. 
Um, and, and I think really the, the way I approach it is to really look at the product and at the brand, because I think those are the two hardest things to value. And, and like, you know, anyone can look at the book of a company and say, oh, this is trading below book price or whatever, and, and see that that's a good investment uh, or, or not. And so most of those opportunities, you know, get, get snapped up pretty quickly. Um, so I think the real value is in, in trying to understand like, you know, a new product that really is disruptive or, or a new service that's disruptive and, and knowing that better than, you know, the analyst at Morgan Stanley or, or you know, insert big bank here. Um, that's, that's the way I think about it. Jay, okay. I see, sorry, like, so I was just going to say specifically a couple of the positions, just having a quick look through the portfolio and um, sort of on the, on those lines, you have, um, well, maybe the, the one in crypto we'll get to in a second, because that in itself is a whole amazing technological space. Um, but Peloton, for example, and uh, I think also Oatly, the recent IPO is in yeah. there. Not tech, but again, the lines of sort of alternatives, ESG, that sort of thing, green and clean. Mm. And, and you've got some tech in there as well. Do, run me through those, if you like. What's, uh, what's the thing? Yeah. Peloton is one that I've been really vocal about recently. I think that's the one that if you were, if you were to like poll my users about what I spend 90% of my time doing is arguing with people about Peloton. Um, <laughs> because, you know, the, the famous thing is, right, it's just an iPad on a bike. Anyone can do it. Um, but if you if you look at the brand for Peloton, it's, it's one of the strongest brands in the world. It's up there with the Coca-Colas and the Teslas. Um, to, to give you an idea of that, um, I think it's something around 80, 89% or so of uh, Peloton um, customers resubscribe after the first year and that is compared to the rate that you have for gyms which is almost actually inverted so you're closer to 20 percent for a gym membership um, so, so that's obviously you know pretty pretty huge um, in terms of loyalty and actually if you if you dig even further into into like you know the kind of community that peloton has built you know the the trainers on peloton are like influencers and there are people who are you know joining fan clubs on facebook and twitter and stuff uh to, to follow these people that just tell them how to exercise you know it's it's really pretty pretty crazy um and for someone else to come into the market and replicate that now i think is is really really difficult so i i see a lot of strength there and the other thing is that i think people just underestimate it because it is an ipad on a bike right they think oh anyone can do it but if if you look at the financials of the company um that's that's been priced in right what's been priced in is that people think that this company is easy to replicate and has no moat uh, and so you look at the financials and you know the, the, their cash flow positive they're generating plenty of money they've got loads of money in the bank um they've got all sorts of scope to expand into new territories new products um yeah i, I think uh the the sky is the limit for peloton really it's, it's definitely one of my highest conviction stocks at the moment it's really interesting. That last point you made about the conviction, I remember you were taking some fire or some flack a couple of weeks ago, I think, on Twitter when I saw the, the tweet. You were saying, look, I want to, I'm want i buying more here. I really want to add. And I think everybody in the world, was it shortly after earnings? Probably about three weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah, so, so they, they, had, uh, they had their earnings and it dropped a bit after earnings. And then they had the incident with the, um, the kids uh, who went underneath the, the Tread Plus. And so they recalled their, their treadmills um, to, to, to modify them. And people are saying, you know, this is going to cost them all sorts of money and, and stuff. But it's, it's like 2% of their, their revenue comes from the Tread Plus. Um, nobody's going to cancel their subscriptions. Um, we've already seen that data. Um, so, you know, and, and also it's, it's something that's so easy to fix. So yeah, I just saw that as a, a great opportunity to add even more. Um, yeah. So having that. Uh, James, James, and I, James and I will talk a lot through each other, 
as as, as we <laughs> always do. And then it's like whoever talks loudest is, is gonna, you know, be able to ask the, the next question, which, which I guess is good that we both want to ask questions in, instead of both being being quiet. So so when you talk about financials and, and look at cash flow and, and, and revenues, so I, th- I think there's a lot of people who you know can make the case for Peloton that it, that it's a that it's a great stock and a great company, but don't necessarily look at financials. So just thinking about you know the way you work on eToro and that people copy your trades. So to me, it feels like they have a safety net by following you because mm. you know the story behind the, the the company, but you also look at the financials, which gives people an extra you know certainty of um, or, or like um, a, a better feeling that you know research is being done before they invest. And so so would you say that that over your whole portfolio? This is quite a similar approach. You, you always look at the financials. You want to find sort of a unique story or unique perspective, and you back yourself. And then you know, you, you clearly a lot of people are backing you as well. So you know, you must be you must be doing something right. But is, is that the way you look at at, at stocks then uh, from all those? Yeah, different- I, I think it's about trying to find. You know, you've got to look at the portfolio as a whole. Um, uh, and you know, you, you can't be having all of your all of your eggs in in one industry, right? All of your eggs in one basket. Um, I think that's uh, that's obviously a, a big no-no, but but beyond that, I think it is you know it's ultimately comes down to what the advantage of the the retail investor can be over the big institutions, and the advantage is that we are users of the products and we we understand niche sectors of of uh, industry and of products much better than than banks potentially ever could. You know, I'm going to understand esports far better than anyone at. Morgan Stanley, I would argue. Um, and, and I think that's really where our advantage comes from. Um, and, and I'm sure, you know, James probably will find the same for you, right? With, with eToro, the, the advantage for the copier is that they can sit back uh, and they know that essentially we're che- we are treating it like a job, right? We're, we're doing our research and we're investing in the areas that we feel we have that advantage over the market. And also, also like, for example, when news comes out that, you know, a child gets under a treadmill and you know, how bad is this or not? And, you know, the institution will go to their research analyst and probably takes them a few days to figure out actually it's bad news or it doesn't really matter. Or if you're the retail investor, you know, you might be, you know, at, at, at work. Um, so you don't look at after the stock, but you can, you see the news come out, you know the company well, you instantly know, oh, it's only 2% of revenues. I don't think this is bad, bad news. Yes, it's dipping. And you know what? I'm actually going to buy some more instead of panicking and, and selling, right? So that's... that. that yeah, that's- oh, we, we, me and James don't need to write a report to our boss before we change our portfolio. So we can react to those kind of things, yeah. And, and right. you sometimes know when not to react and, and have that patience yeah. with things. So you haven't got as, well, it's transparent, but you haven't got perhaps as much scrutiny. Um, and you can have greater conviction rather than being bound by certain rules and allocation limits and these sorts of things. You have that discretion, don't you? And I think as well, another thing to mention is that there's a lot of, I think, willingness on eToro as a platform, just using apps for both there commonly, um, for people to invest in quite similar stocks if they're trying to do it themselves without necessarily having the, well, the, the strategy or the plan, um, which, which clearly you and I do have when we, we employ ourselves uh, basically full time to this thing. So, for example, say the, the ARC ETFs. Loads of people are, are, you know, chasing those and the stocks within there without really understanding the companies. Yet one of the many advantages that you and I are hopefully offering is if we do own some of those companies, say Peloton, for example, then 
Um, you understand that stock far better than somebody just allocating to a passive ETF and fingers crossed hoping that they're not going to understand what the context is when something bad goes, when something bad inevitably happens and, and being able to look beyond it. And ultimately, buying great companies, whether it's Peloton or somebody else, I'm, I'm, obviously I don't own Peloton, so that's not, uh, not my yeah. endorsement, but take Facebook, for example, particularly 2018, 2017, Cambridge Analytica and everything else, being able to buy a great company that's going through hopefully temporary turmoil gives you the ability to be a long-term owner of it. And, and ultimately, particularly with Facebook as an example, a recent example of being rewarded. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's there's always um, a lot of opportunity in anything that's bad PR, right? Because, I mean, as, as the old phrase goes, right, all PR is good PR. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm of a similar wavelength. And I actually thought about investing in Facebook around that time as well. But... Um, for me, what what kind of moved me away from Facebook? It's it's interesting that you're in Facebook. I mean, I I, I get it from a financials perspective. I don't think they're going anywhere, and I think they can make a lot of money. Um, but I do think that their core pop product is actually the one that's most at risk. Ironically, um, you know, I, I think that WhatsApp and Instagram, um, and Facebook Marketplace and and whatever that potentially evolves into, um, their their delvings into. Uh, cryptocurrency with with Libra, you know, all of those things actually are where I see more opportunity for Facebook um, and advertising, live streaming, um, all of those things are where I see more opportunity for them than the actual core Facebook um, platform. So yeah, it's 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 an interesting um, stock that one. Um, sorry to kind of go off on a tangent, but it's no, just no, uh, no. Yeah. for the reasons you mentioned. I think it came as something of a surprise. The the previous quarter quarterly earnings where it was actually in the core business, I think there was 40% growth, which was well ahead mm. of expectations because I think, again, analysts had sort of downplayed that and expectations were lower in the core business. And we've seen that shine through with my other, well, particularly my other main holding in advertising, Google, where I just I haven't seen results like that um, so yeah. a long time in a company of that scale. Um, and yeah, just, just phenomenal stuff. So, you know, the core is still, well, it's surprised. It's still alive and well, but I, I do agree with the uh, with the perspective you have on Facebook. And out of the three tech, big tech names that are still, I'm clinging on to this never sells, Microsoft, Google, and, and Facebook. Facebook's the one that I probably feel least easy about. Um, mm. Microsoft, in terms of valuation, probably um, second least easy. But, but Google, for me, is, uh, yeah, is, is, is my, you know, my highest conviction holding at the moment. It remains, I think, has been this year, all year. <laughs> How about um, before I interrupted you again, like whatever, like five minutes or 10 minutes ago, um, Oatly, you mentioned uh, James, right? Um, and, and, and I interrupted and, and I, I'd still like to hear the answer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so Oatly is, uh, Oatly is, I really, you know, I try and avoid buying stuff at IPO because, you know, the track record for IPOs price-wise is not, Amazing. Um, but I think, I mean, first of all, you can draw some parallels with Beyond Meat, right? You look at Beyond Meat's IPO and it was, you know, one of the, the biggest hits of, um, of the past five years or so in terms of IPO. It's absolutely huge. Um, obviously, it's kind of come back down a bit since then. Um, but, but I actually think that um, Oatly's opportunity is, uh, as, as a company and, and the market that they're attacking, is bigger than, than most that I can think of. Um, their branding is, is, you know, very much on point. That they really, um, I mean, I don't know if you saw their Super Bowl ad, but it's kind of uh, amusing. It was the CEO of Oatly on a, on a keyboard just playing a little tune saying, Oatly, it's milk, 
but for humans or something. It was really like this weird, cringy, incredibly low budget um, advertisement at the Super Bowl. Um, but 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 it worked um, and, it, and it caught people's attention. And, and the thing is that the the dairy industry is being disrupted by this kind of movement towards more sustainable diets, um, whether people are doing it for health reasons or for, for animal rights or for, uh, you know, environmental reasons. Um, it, it doesn't really ultimately matter why people are doing it. But the fact is that people are doing it in, in, you know, in a big way. And in the UK, we kind of had this advantage because the UK is actually probably out of every country in the world it's 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 certainly in like the top five or so countries in terms of adoption of plant-based diets so we're in actually a kind of a position where we're potentially seeing what's gonna the transition that other countries are going to go through and i'm sure james can tell you that when he goes to do his weekly shop um you know the, the number of those fake meats and fake milks and fake everything else is um has has gone up exponentially you know i i, I two years ago i think there were like five or six products and and now there's like an entire aisle in the supermarket dedicated to them um, and, are you coming at this from a from a consumer standpoint again is are, are these products that yeah. you, you know, you've tried yourself yeah yeah um i've tried I've, so I'm, I'm actually a vegan um so that's part of the reason why uh i, I went vegan a couple of years ago and um, I think that's part of why I'm so excited about Oatly actually is because, you know, throughout the whole vegan kind of transition, you know, you're trying to find replacements for the things you would normally eat. And, you know, some of them are easier than others. But um, with with Oatly, when I discovered it after trying soy milk and pea protein milk and all these other, you know, fake milks, um, I realized that I actually preferred it. Um, and and the environmental impact, if you look at the, the amount of water it uses, it's like 9% compared to, to normal dairy um so there's all of these other impacts for it and the the global dairy market is worth i think 600 billion dollars um and and the way i see it is is that the dominance that they have in the oat milk space and the dominance that oat milk has as an alternative um where it's basically just oat milk and soya milk um competing at the moment maybe pea protein milk catching up um but but the potential market that they could take over the next five ten years as the rest of the world starts to catch up with where the UK is uh, and where Sweden is and countries like that, I think is absolutely huge. You know, you could see 100% growth for the next five years easily. Um, so yeah, that's 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 why I thought, you know, I, I kind of want, even though the valuation is steep, if I'm thinking about this long-term um, and I'm looking at it from the perspective of what happened with Beyond Meat and how far that ran after its IPO, um, yeah, I think it's probably worth having a bit in there just as a kind of a, a safety net to sort of say, you know, I'm in there. Um, that, that was kind of my approach with that. Interesting, huge industry. And like you said, I, I have actually noticed personally as a consumer, beginning to switch to this stuff or try it. I'm thinking yeah. my protein shakes in the morning, I'm now having pea protein as of a couple of years ago, yeah. away from whey. And, you know, I've been doing that for probably three years now, thinking about it. And uh, yeah, the, uh, the other thing last night, I'm eating Linda McCartney's meatballs. <laughs> my shows every uh, every week it seems at the moment now and i had falafel for lunch yesterday and linda mccartney meatballs for dinner i'm not eating yeah, I, anymore don't know what's well, happening that's, that's the thing right i think a lot of people think that it's like this kind of you know um zero-sum game where you either have to become like this plant-based super healthy person or you can or you can stay eating meat and doing whatever you're currently doing and in reality i'm like the most unhealthy vegan in the world so you know <laughs> i eat pringles every day and you know energy drinks and everything that you shouldn't be drinking and eating um pretty much uh, and the other thing is that there are an awful lot of people out there like you who are just 
discovering that these products are actually just preferred. Um, and, you know, if you feel about, good about doing it because it's better for the environment or, or it's cheaper potentially or, or whatever it is, I think, um, you know, th there's clearly a big market out there for these products. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and as, as it becomes available, people begin trying and that sort of perpetuates the trend. And I think I'm succumbing to that as otherwise a passive consumer of it. And, you know, the, the greater the availability and abundance, yeah, other people are going to join. So I guess moving on from uh, fr from uh, diets and, and alternative uh, alternative diets and foods, Lex, um, maybe you'll be uh, best place to bring us back on uh, on topic away from the, the healthy. Yeah, no, I think, uh, and uh, funny enough, I, I moderate a lot of uh, you know conversations. I'm I'm I'm, I'm sort of uh, always very aware of that. Uh, you know, get, going back to to you know the thread and and, and the listener out there because. If you let people uh, who are enthusiastic about something just just talk, then you know webinars or or, or podcasts will, will last for two hours, and that's something we want to avoid. I think the format will be, you know, probably up to about forty minutes every every time we we do this. Um, normally, I, my favorite meetings are actually twelve minutes with people, where I say, okay, I speak for four minutes about what I have to say. You speak for four minutes about what you have to say. And then there's four minutes of kind of conclusions and deciding if we should speak again. Um, I, th I think that's pretty hard in, 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 in podcasts. Um, so I'm not suggesting that. But here, so, so, so as a last topic, what I'd like to talk about is, is uh, I'd like to hear Jason and, and, and your opinion, James, is about crypto. Um, I know you long uh, BNB, um, Jay. And so maybe you could talk a little bit about what that is and, and, and and James, uh, yeah, maybe you can give some uh, views on that one and, and, and other crypto as well to uh, conclude this uh, podcast. If possible, I kind of want to flip it around just quickly and see what you guys think of it. Um, you know, I mean, Lex, you've been in, in investing and in finance for, you know, a lot longer than me and James have. So I'm, I'm just intrigued as to your take on it. Well, I think the, the, the issue with investing in crypto is, is that, you know, when, when you look at your positions that you take and you've explained how you look at um that you always like to look at the financials behind it um even though you love the concept once you go to crypto and you know you you know you, you might like something a, a certain uh, token but if whoever came up with the token can you know issue as many as they want so it's not based on what's called proof of work you know, so it's not Bitcoin or some other talks where you had to do real mining over many years, but you can just issue something, you know, before you know it's, it's um, you know, it's great for the person who, who issues it, um, but to, to invest in it, it becomes more, um, it feels a bit like a pyramid scheme. And if you get in at the right time, it's great. And if you get out at the right time, even better, but it's harder to, to go through the financial so so that's my issue with some of the crypto and that you know you might start investing in, in bitcoin or ethereum and it goes well and then you get addicted and then you pick some other ones and before you know you have a large portfolio of highly speculative uh, in instruments and you know all you do is look at the price of bitcoin and not look at anything else anymore because that's where the excitement is and, and it feels like it's a game. So, so my view will be, okay, you know, maybe do five or 10% of your portfolio um, 
in the in these names if, if you like if you must um but but be, but yeah don't 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 overdo it is is is, is my view on it um, i don't know what you think james from my perspective, I wish I had your track record, Jay, in crypto over the last few years. <laughs> when it comes to crypto, so I'd be uh, I'd be well up there on eToro as well, hopefully. But, uh, <laughs> but that's what I regret about it. But um, you know, I've I've dabbled in the past. I think it was probably late 2017. Um, I, I was picked up and featured in an article after the uh, blow off. Then was it going up to about thirteen thousand Bitcoin at the time? All over the place is what I was trading and doing in Ethereum and everything else at the time, but. Um, it did have a feature on that. I still got it on the wall somewhere in the house. Um, but uh, it's sort of a reminder to me that as good as things can look at the time, ultimately, as, as you and Lex have touched on in terms of the, the, the way that we otherwise trade in equities and so on, look at companies, um, it is the most purest form of speculation, which is incredibly intoxicating, very exciting and great to trade. Um, but it does feel with no disrespect, it does feel a little bit like greater fourth theory in play as it, as it could mm. arguably be in Tesla, for example, or any other stock which has been really run up high. And there are many of them out there, um, as we know, particularly from last year or so. Um, so it's, with no disrespect, I say that more recently, and this is where it's really interesting to me at the moment, I'm just learning about the decentralized finance, so the, the lending and the funding space. And that to me seems just absolutely fascinating. Um, and as I say, it's not something that I'm, um, I can't have any expertise in uh, at present, but as a concept and where there's some very clear money to be made as, as a business rather than as a speculator, that to me is, is where the whole blockchain and cryptocurrency thing is, uh, is, is just fascinating. So that's how I'm approaching things from my side. But yeah, my, in terms of my views on it, they don't really matter. I wish I had your track record <laughs> in crypto over the last few years. Yeah, so I guess um, the way I see it is is it's all about ecosystems, um, and, and they're kind of like walled gardens to some extent, um, even, even though they're supposedly you know perfectly accessible and open and decentralized. They're kind of like walled gardens, right? Everyone's trying to build their own ecosystem and get apps built on top of it and DeFi products built on top of it and all of these things. Um, and and I think that you know what what Lex and you said about um you know the, the more speculative side of thing is absolutely true. I mean you know the, the fact that there are you know billions of dollars invested in various different dogs <laughs> dog based uh, cryptocurrencies. Um, you know I I think that kind of speak the less we say about that the, the better perhaps. Um, uh, I mean I guess it's a bit of fun for some people, right? But. Uh, yeah, the, the way I approach it is to look at the ecosystem. And, and, and I think um, you can still draw like real kind of fundamentals from behind it, right? I mean, if, if you look at, for example, programming languages, right? The, the programming languages that become successful, the ones that are adopted by the biggest tech companies, by, by the likes of Google and Facebook and, um, and, and the like, and the people who then develop those ecosystems. Um, even if you look at, for example, um, Android, right? Android is basically a platform that has apps built on top of it. And I, I was investing in, in Qualcomm and, and Arm Holdings, uh, for example, who are building the chips for the Android phones before android even had 10 percent market share i had the first android phone that came out um was playing around with it and i think it's a similar kind of thing in in cryptocurrency if you can identify the platforms upon which people are going to build um and the tokenomics stack up so they are you know a, a set supply or have a, a fixed inflation and a, you know th there's no way of increasing that 
um, and the barrier to entry to catch up with that product, they have a big first mover advantage or, or a big barrier to entry, then I think that those are good things to invest in. So, um, you know, Ethereum obviously was a good example of that. I invested in Ethereum in, in 2016, um, you know, early 2016. Uh, I invested actually in the predecessor to that on on um, on Bitcoin. So there's a, a project called Colored Coins and, and there was another product called um, RSK as well on, on, on Bitcoin, which was the first real smart contract kind of um, platforms that existed. And I invested in those and those ones didn't work, right? Um, they were too early. It's more like startup investing almost. So yeah, I, you know, I agree with what Lex said, right? You, you, need to, you need to be very diligent in how much of your portfolio you allow yourself to expose these markets. And I learned that lesson myself the hard way in, in 2018, right? You know, it's, it's one, one thing having your personal money in cryptocurrencies like I did for the, the crash in 2013, 2014. Um, but but when, you're, when you've got millions of dollars backing you on, on eToro uh, and then in 2018, the, the floor comes out from under you, um, you know, that, that was a painful lesson in how much exposure should you really be having to this when, when you're looking you know, uh, essentially building wealth over the long term. Um, and, and you don't know everyone that's, especially on eToro, I don't know everyone who's copying these time horizons. Maybe someone was planning on build, buying a house in 2019 and I just lost them, you know, a massive chunk of their deposit. Um, that, that's that's not a good place to be. So I learned the hard way as well. And, you know, I, I tend to limit myself to around 15 to 20% exposure now. But um, even, even then, I think if you look at my portfolio now, I've got about 5% or so exposure. So, um, yeah. Also, also, like when you, you say you lost people some money, but um, I, I think your leverage is not more than two times, right? Which is oh which yeah, is, I, I I use no no leverage on cryptocurrencies. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Why it's, would you need it? <laughs> yeah, totally. So that's I think I think there you know a lot of people go wrong as well when they do it themselves is that they do use that leverage and you know then suddenly you know you you can get stopped out over the weekend. Yeah. So you have a price, whatever, Bitcoin on, on, on Thursday, whatever, let's say it's whatever, 38,000. And then on Tuesday, it's, it's 38,000 as well, or maybe 40,000 again. And then, uh, you know, they don't have a position left because it went to 32,000 in between. They've been stopped out. <laughs> That's a demand when you're having brunch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on. And you're paying the financing as well, which is astronomical with most brokers, at least when they could still offer uh, leathered, uh, cryptocurrency positions until was it January when the SCA intervened? I think or it could have been the back yeah. last year. Of course, now in the UK, right. we can't uh, we can't trade uh, margins or uh, cryptocurrency products on margin. I mean, this gives gives me the idea of, of of another podcast we we might be able to do where you know we really go into crypto and what are good ones to trade, what's a smart way of trading it, you know, where to you know stay away from. Um, so, that, so that could be a topic of, of, of another session. But I think for now, I think we, sh we should conclude. It yeah. was really um, great to talk to Jay. I, I actually le learned a lot, uh, not, not unexpectedly. Um, James, thank you. I don't know if you guys want to have also any uh, concluding remarks. Yeah, thank you, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you want to do a, a quick shout out for yourself if anybody hasn't uh, seen you on uh, on on eToro. I, I understand that you are currently closed from new investment. I think you've uh, you, you've yeah ceiling. I'm uh, yeah, I'm I'm a bit above um above above the limit on uh, new copiers. So uh, yeah, I guess if if you're interested in what I'm 
what I talk about in my investments, you can still follow my portfolio on eToro. My name is Jay Nemesis. Um, you can follow my stream of angry tweets about Peloton on Twitter, <laughs> Jay Nemesis as well. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's it really. Um, you, you can you, find you also everything have a cool, else. Uh, you have a cool channel on Twitch as well? Is that uh, where you are as well? Yeah, yeah. I, I stream on Twitch occasionally, yeah. Um, uh, Twitch.tv slash jnemesis. Uh, who knows? Maybe maybe we'll end up putting something up there again. Uh, chat to you guys on there some other time, maybe. Yeah, that'd be good. I'd definitely be up for that. Yeah. Thanks so much. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you.